Welcome to the Perfectly Integrated Podcast, hosted by Matt Ackerman, where we show the power of teamwork in wealth management. Now, on to the show. Resiliency. Never at any time in our history has resiliency been more essential. That power to bounce back, dust yourself off, keep moving in the face of adversity. This is critical. This is a critical superpower. And frankly, it's something that every advisor requires. Markets are tumultuous, events are unpredictable, and clients have higher expectations than ever. And some even have some trust issues. So today, I'm so proud to be joined by the voice of the Resilient Advisor podcast series, Jay Coulter. Matt, you know, I got a chance to meet, get to know Jay when I was at Investment News, and I'm so proud to have him on here today to discuss where we are, where we're going, and how we need that resiliency more than ever. So Jay, welcome. Matt, thanks for having me on. I'm normally on the other side of these conversations, asking the questions, so I'm without a doubt out of my comfort zone. Oh, well, I promise this will be really comfortable. I try to do my best just to make these nice conversations. I'm a huge fan of yours. Huge fan of the podcast series. I've been diving down a rabbit hole the past week, listening to old episodes. Just a huge, huge fan of everything that you're doing. Well, it's super humbling when somebody says that. I appreciate you listening. I guess you're the other person listening besides my mom. (laughs) So, Jay, what does resiliency mean to you? Yeah. So as a consultant, I have to put a framework on everything. You're not allowed to be a consultant if you don't put a framework on everything you do. So resiliency takes the shape of three things. Number one, focus. Number two, systems. And number three, relationships. And the reason it is broken down into such a simplistic format is that when you need resiliency the most is when you're in the biggest bond. And having that simple three-pronged framework, I think, helps people do what resiliency needs to do for you. And that's pick you up when you're down, or more importantly, pick yourself up when you're down. And to me, by breaking it up in those three boxes, it makes so much sense for advisors, right? They need that focus. They need those systems. And ultimately, this is a relationship business, right? Yeah. And so relationships actually don't just pertain to your clients. It's your relationships inside the industry. Most independent financial advisors feel like they're going at it alone. And and that makes up most of my client base. And the reality is you don't have to. You have to build those professional networks to help you through the hard times. So what really attracted you to want to work with and help financial advisors? I spent most of my career in the asset management side of the business. I'm a portfolio construction nerd and geek. I love that side of it. Uh, The reality is my North Star, my focus is helping advisors have an impact on the retirement crisis. And here's what I mean by that. There are folks that are going to retire in this country with no money and they're going to rely on social security. There are great advocacy groups out there that promote financial literacy. They're trying to start younger and younger with it. And that is a great, great swath of the country to go after and try to help. But the reality is somebody retiring today with half a million dollars, a million dollars, they're in for a rude awakening in retirement. They don't have enough money to retire. And the only way those folks can help manage through retirement is with the help of a financial advisor who's doing the right thing and helping their clients get through the two pillars that can really, really destroy your personal finances in retirement. And that's inflation and taxes. To me, these advisors are really good 
at what they're really good at. And sometimes they're not so good at some of the other things around the edges. And I'm looking, thinking about those buckets you qualified right at the beginning. Some of those advisors aren't good at building outside relationships. They're not good at kind of developing systems for their business. They built a business one brick at a time, one client at a time, but growth from here can be hard. Talk to me about some of the clients you've worked with and is this something you're seeing too? Yeah. So we're recording this in the middle of 2021. We have gone through a 13-year bull market. I'm old enough to have lived through 1999 and then 2000 and 2007 and 2008. And the reality is we have a whole generation of advisors who've never managed money, who's never worked with clients through a sustained bear market. I don't count what happened last year as a bear market. And so to get through those time periods and grow, it hasn't been at the top of the list because everybody's revenue has grown because they're generally fee-based because the market has gone up. So when that is no longer the case, they're going to need systems in place to help facilitate that type of growth. And at the same time, they're also going to need those systems in place to keep their clients disciplined. It's the test of a system. The test of culture is bad times. So how do you kind of teach that kind of discipline? Because like you said, 13 years, things going up. You love your advisor when your money's going up. How do you make sure that you're creating a discipline so that they can succeed even when the sky's falling? Yeah. So as a consultant, I have a framework for it. (laughs) So there are four systems that I try and teach advisors and help them implement inside their practice. And this isn't something that I've made up. It's just for me modeling the best in the business. So the four systems are very, very simple and clear. First, you have to have a client service system that is robust and modeled out into the future. What I found is most advisors don't feel like they're taking care of their clients. Generally, if I ask them, hey, when are your next five communications with your number seven client? They can't answer that question. So they don't feel like they really have a good process to serve their clients. I also find that most advisors, and this is amazing, don't feel like they're very good investment managers. They don't feel like they have very good portfolios. So think about this, Matt. If you don't think you're doing a good job with investments and you don't think you serve clients very well, you would have to be a sociopath to go out and bring in new clients. What's the sales pitch? Hey, I don't know what I'm doing with investments and I really stink at service. Come on board. So we start with those two systems. We make sure that their clients are taken care of systematically in a CRM in perpetuity. Then we make sure they have an investment process and story that they are not only comfortable with, that they're excited to go out and tell. One of the themes at Resilient Advisors, we think that advisors should lead with investments but serve with planning. Because planning is how we really help clients, but clients don't care about the rating they got on their term policy. They really want to talk about, hey, should I be looking at Bitcoin? So that's how you get them in the door. So those are the first two systems. The last two are a systematic marketing system that enables you to methodically and diligently stay in front of clients. And then a leadership system. I steal the Silicon Valley framework called OKRs, and I help advisors implement OKRs inside their practice. Do you no, hear I love that dog? It. Yeah, I like it. I'm sorry. I like having a, <laughs> don't worry about it. We don't have a dog here at the Ackerman House. We have a cat. He's pretty quiet. So he pops in and out. To me, I love the system approach because I think it highlights some of the things that advisors might not necessarily be great at. Each advisor, to me, 
has each of us as people usually have one or two powers. We were talking about it on a previous podcast. I got way into the Avengers kind of discussion, but I, my belief is we only can have certain number of powers or strengths in within ourselves. And it's good to have other members of the team that can bring in those other strengths. And I think that is really what this systematic approach does is it says, Hey, you stick to what you do best and then let all these other things around you support you. And I think that's really where it's important. Advisors need support. Yeah, I tell you. So when somebody starts an engagement with me, we start with the Colby A assessment. And for listeners who aren't familiar with the Colby assessment, it's a simple eight-minute questionnaire. It doesn't measure your intelligence, which is good for me. And it doesn't measure any type of personality, which Matt, again, is good for me. But what it does help you understand is your natural work instincts. And I didn't come up with the idea of putting this inside of a coaching program. I stole it from the best in the business. The Strategic Coach Program, which is the number one coaching program for entrepreneurs, they start with the Colby assessment. And Matt, what that helps you do is understand, what it helps me do is understand the advisor's strengths and more importantly, their weaknesses. And the general philosophy of trying to help people with their weaknesses, I don't think works. You lean into the strengths and you build a team to help complement the weaknesses on a team. I think by leaning into strengths too, they begin to have faith in you because no one likes to hear what their weaknesses are. But if you can start by accentuating the positives too, it then starts to make them feel like they'll buy in a little more too. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I've, I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I said that earlier, and I really do enjoy kind of these stories of success that you have with different advisors. It really just stood out to me because, listen, I love talking to industry thought leaders, but some of the ways you really honed in and talked to real advisors is super interesting to me too. What inspired that for you? Was it this same thing of highlighting their strengths? No, Matt, I just wanted to copy the best. I just copied Michael Kitsis. <laughs> so he brings on world-class financial advisors and he does a two-hour deep dive with them and you get to learn everything about their practice, where they came from, where they're going. It is, if you're going to subscribe to an industry podcast, subscribe to his. I just took a slightly different approach and I took that two-hour conversation, put it into a 20 or 30-minute package and I highlight advisors with different backgrounds that have built a business and a quality of life that matches what they're looking for. You can learn so much by hearing what's how some of the best folks are doing it well and how and sometimes the weaknesses too. What are where are the struggles? Where are things they they haven't done great? When you think about even your own story, like you said, copy from some of the best, but what were some of those stumbling points, those hurdles that you hit along the way, even when you were building your business, building the podcast series that you look back on now and say, I learned from that. This is definitely a, a stumbling point, And this is something that, that folks can learn from me from. Yeah. So many stumbling points. And I, I like to say that I'm making all this up as I go along. And I think sometimes folks looking in at all the social media followers or the show that uh, we have a really polished button up process. And that's not necessarily the case. We've been knuckle dragging our way through this from day one. So we're coming up on episode 200. When I launched, there were only two other industry podcasts, Michael Kitsis, who we mentioned earlier, and Brad Johnson, who at the time was with Advisors Excel. He's excellent at marketing. And I thought, I listened to a couple of their shows and I thought, man, I, I can do better than that. And then of course, they took off <laughs> a meteoric rise and I just kind of trudged along. And then what I found though, through trudging through those early podcasts, and I encourage any advisor that's thinking about podcasting, 
This is the mindset you have to have. You just have to keep going. Hire an organization like like the good folks at Proudmouth to help you get through the early days of the podcast, to help you just keep moving. Because I believe the industry stat is something like most podcasts stop at episode seven or nine. I forget which it is, but they do stop. And so what I learned trudging through it is if you just keep moving the ball forward, you'll get that win. You'll be able to build a brand. Recently, I had Aaron Klein from Riskalyze on for a second time. And on that show, I told him that he actually helped make the Resilient Advisor podcast. So in the early days, I was cold calling everybody, cold emailing everybody, trying to get them on. And he was the first CEO of a major fintech company to agree to come on. And at the time, we were just a podcast. Right after that, the eMoney CEO came on. The large asset managers started coming on. So that took about a year to get to that place. And I'm a huge fan of Aaron's. Known him for a long time. What I always loved about him was his willingness to try anything. I I had him do a video interview with me while we mini golfed. I pushed one of his employees into a pool. I am not above some stunt uh, casting for those kind of things. But to me, it goes back to everything you're talking about is it's hard to get something rolling. But once you get rolling down that hill, whether it's a podcast or a video series, you get resiliency. You get you start to really grow. But it's hard to get to that point. We often give up in anything in our lives by episode seven or episode nine, because now we can quantify everything we've done. So you, we look at the numbers. I'm sure you look at the views or you look at the listens. And you know we're in this society now where you see millions of views on a YouTube link and you're getting 100 or 200. How do you stay committed to a task when you're saying, is this worth my time? Yeah. So it's actually pretty simple for me. So the Resilient Advisor brand wasn't well thought out. So I had actually started podcasting in the nonprofit space. My purpose there was to help people who are struggling with their mental health find access to resources and quite frankly, just go get help. And I found that the mental health struggles that we see in the society we live in are very prevalent inside the industry that I work. If I went into financial advisors and said, hey, I think you're struggling with your mental health. You might want to go try and get some help. It doesn't go over so well. So I built this chassis of resilient advisor, took systems that I teach in the nonprofit space and put it in the package with the rest of my business systems. So Matt, what keeps me going are the random emails I get from financial advisors that I've never met. And they say, Jay, thank you for what you did with Resilient Advisor. Thanks for giving the book away. I'm going to get some help now with some things I'm struggling with. That's why I can trudge through all of these episodes, especially during the early days. Now, that's easy for me to say today. It's a big time commitment. This wasn't monetized for the first 160 episodes. (laughs) Today, I get the opportunity to interview some of the best thought leaders in the business and share their stories with my audience. And that's pretty rewarding into itself. It's so exciting. And I think for advisors that are doing you know, their day job at the same time while they think about marketing, it can seem like an even heavier lift sometimes. What's your advice to them? What's your advice to the advisor too? I mean, how do they just keep going when sometimes, how can they be resilient when perhaps they're not getting the results they want? Yeah. So I think it goes back to the framework of focus, systems, and relationships. And the reason that framework is so darn simple is it took me years to come up with it through trial and error, not only with myself and my business, but working with advisors. And I'm a big believer in simplicity wins at the end of the day. Complexity never gets results. And so for that advisor that is struggling, it's worth taking some time off to figure out what is your focus? 
What is your North Star? What are you trying to accomplish so that when those inevitable hurdles come, you know why you're doing it? You know, number two, make sure you have the systems in place that work for you so that when those troubles come, you can rely on those systems to get through whatever challenges are thrown at you. And the third one, which it's not third because of where it sits in the order. These are all equally important. Most people, especially in the world we live in today, where everybody's doing things on Zoom, have forgotten how to have relationships. And I find that nowhere more prevalent than in the independent advisor space. Like I said, big fan. I loved the episode with Aaron. The relationships help as you start to kind of catch fire and grab one person, it becomes somebody else. But I also like finding kind of those new industry stars that are rising, listening to somebody like Tyrone Ross speak on your podcast. What stands out to you? What is, what's one of, or some of your favorite guests? Yeah. So that question might put me in a bind. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm very fortunate in that I have built a roster of folks that come on on a regular basis like Tyrone, where we, it's so funny. I re, cold reached out to him before Bitcoin took off. And I said, hey, I need to learn about Bitcoin myself. I'm pretty sure my audience does. Why don't we do a regular office hour series? And he was all in 100%. And we started doing it. Bitcoin was at like 7,000, which I thought was absurd at the time. As we're recording this matter, I think it's around 40,000. And that did really well because it was top of mind for advisors and he was talking about a topic that makes sense. And then some of the brand name folks that come on and talk and add value to advisors are great. But you know, one of my favorite episodes is with a woman who lives in Italy. English isn't her first language. Her name is Elizabeth Elisabetta Basilico. And the interview was a little bit challenging because English wasn't her first language and it was not our most downloaded episode. But what she taught in there, she's an academic, was how advisors should consider mitigating tail risk by implementing low volatility strategies, risk parity, and trend following. That interview in itself changed the investment models that I used with my own clients after I was able to review her academic work. So having the ability to interview super smart people and take from that interview things that are applicable to my own business, not to mention my financial advisor client's business, is really, really impactful. Do you have a dream guest from here? Here's the challenge with that question. You ready? So if one of your clients said, I have a dream guest, I'm assuming, Matt, you would say to that advisor sitting at Integrated Partners, you would say, well, have you called them? Have you emailed him? So <laughs> I'm going to say who I would like to have, but I haven't even reached out. And that would be Ray Dalio. So Ray Dalio is the CEO of the largest hedge fund in the world. He was kind of the thought leader around risk parity and built a really good brand for himself. When I saw he wrote a book, I thought, man, that guy is so arrogant. I'm not reading that book. <laughs> and then he produced a short video where he actually talked about how humbling his beginnings were. And I'm not talking about he came from poverty. He didn't. I'm talking about him making some market calls that were just dead wrong, him being embarrassed and his company imploding down to just him. And then how he had resiliency, how he rebuilt his business, and now how he serves people all over the world with his business. I had a dream guest a couple of years ago. I really wanted to get Tony Robbins to do a video interview with us. And it's the same thing, like you said, pick up the phone and try to call. Worst they can say is no, right? So he did an interview with us. It was great. And like, it was a good friendly encounter. And he's like, hey, if you get any other ideas, let me know. So I'm never one to say no to something like that. So I was like, okay, 
I, I, I called up his PR team and I said, I have this idea where we bring Tony Robbins to, to lower Manhattan and he asks people what a fiduciary is. I wanted to do it on a subway. Tony Robbins was, was said, I'm a little too tall for that, but I like the idea. So we literally brought him on the street and we filmed it. And I was, first of all, it was one of those instances where you just are waiting for somebody to say no. And he just kept saying yes. And he had a heck of a security team around him, thank goodness, because usually when you're doing a man on the street thing, it's hard to find people to be the other guest on camera. But when Tony Robbins is standing there, we had quite a crowd around us. But it was one of those instances, like you said, and everyone should learn from this. The worst thing they can say is no. And you haven't lost anything by someone saying no. That's a great story. I bet that was a lot of fun to produce. It was so much fun to produce. And like I said, it's one of those things where I've always believed like creativity is such a reward in this industry. Like be creative. What's the worst that can happen? I mean, we had one show where we said, hey, I want to explain data aggregation. And I was like, what if we used a taco truck metaphor and we rented a taco truck? That was good because it was delicious too. So that also two wins on that one. <laughs> that is two wins. Yes. But I mean, to me, I, how can advisors, we've talked a little about podcasting, we ultimately use podcasting, video, how can they use this as a great tool for themselves? Yeah. So I want to start by saying this. I despise social media, despise it. I have 30,000 Twitter followers. We have a pretty robust YouTube channel right now. My LinkedIn has 12,000, 13,000 financial advisors that follow us all organic the reason we use them, even though I'm not a big fan of the platforms, is that they are getting the attention of your clients. If you are not there posting relevant content, the people trying to take your clients are. And not only are they there, they're paying money to those platforms to put their content in front of your clients. I'd also say this. I, I have not had a new client, unless it was a referral, join me in the last I don't know, two, three years that didn't say, yeah, I went back and watched some of your shows. And so people have the ability to go and do their due diligence on you if you're producing this type of content and you're posting on social media before they even walk in the door. And so the advantage there is it's quite frankly, a no-brainer. The hardest thing I find is getting advisors over the finish line to get it done. My advice to them, and I do not do this, my advice to them is always get professional help to outsource it. So as the late Jim Rohn used to say, you can't pay somebody to do your push-ups. While that is true, you can get a good coach. And for example, my friends over at Proudmouth, Kirk Lowe, does a great job. Matt Halloran is one of the best interviewers in the business, and they help advisors produce that content for them so it becomes a lot less seamless. Oh, yeah. I mean, we do a lot of content creation since I've joined Integrated, and I'm always amazed by how smart, how intelligent every advisor is. They always have great insights, but getting the amplification on that message is sometimes a struggle. They, they look at all of this, whether it's the podcast, the videos, the production as outside their comfort zone. But I say to them all the time, you are performers. You perform in front of your clients all the time. You're good at this. You just have to have the confidence. If I can give one piece of advice to parents, it's get your kids on a stage, get them public speaking when they're young so they realize this isn't that hard. You can do it. You can succeed at this. Well, I tell you, not to be flippant, you and the team at Integrated do a really good job of helping advisors have access 
to those types of resources. I'm not a recruiter, but I do help advisors move from a captive space to independence. And that involves referrals to aggregators that I've recently added integrated to the list of people I refer folks to. And there were a couple of reasons for that. And one of them is the ability of your firm to be able to help advisors craft their message and get the message out. Yeah, I appreciate that. It was funny because <laughs> I was jumping on a call with with an advisor that might have been joining us, a prospect, and you were on the call, and I was surprised, and I was like, "Wow, look, Jay's here. This is great." It felt like a real friendly face to me. I really do believe in what we're doing at Integrated, and it's in my mind, it's about, like I said, letting advisors accentuate their strengths and let. Like I said, let me do what I enjoy doing, which is building great content with advisors, working on these kind of things. I love this. I get up every day and I've been telling folks this for years. I have the fun job. I get to sit here. I get to write stuff. I get to come up with wacky ideas. Sometimes I rent taco trucks. It really, at the end of the day, is I have the fun job and I get to make fun content. And I think that's really what it is. Find your strengths and live in that lane. Yep. Well said. So... Is there was a piece of advice you could give to advisors? You've given some great advice throughout this episode already. I really do enjoy it. What advice would you give when it comes to content and content creation? Yeah. So the simple answer is just do it. The more complex answer to that is to step outside your comfort zone and push on things that you don't generally want to do, whether it's posting on LinkedIn I don't know if an advisor needs to be on Twitter or not, generally not, but being on Facebook and being comfortable realizing that these are marketing mediums and not self-promotion vehicles by themselves is the hardest thing to do. Not every advisor is going to do it, obviously. (laughs) You and I have beaten our heads against the wall on that many, many times. But the challenge there is just getting outside of your comfort zone because once you do, it actually becomes easier. So I... Nobody believes that when I tell them that I'm a fairly humble person because my website for years was jcoulter.com. My email address was jcoulter.com. I do all this self-promotion. I was really uncomfortable doing it. And when video started, I was even more uncomfortable. But what I noticed, and this was easy, is that the best marketers in the business, whether it was a Brad Johnson that we mentioned earlier or a Samantha Russell over at FMG Suite, they are excellent at producing content. They're probably uncomfortable doing it. They're probably have to think through the process of it. Like a great example is Robert Sophia over at Snappy Kraken. Like they are excellent at getting advisors outside of their comfort zone. He had to get outside of his comfort zone as well. And he's built a great brand for himself. So the simple answer is just do it. The more complex answer is you really got to lean into your uncomfort. And you mentioned a couple of my favorite people there between Robert and Samantha. And what they are really good at too is taking a message and making it concise, making it palatable, making it interesting, intriguing. Um, These are really, really smart people in this industry and folks like you as well, Jay, that are willing to stand up and to help these advisors too. No one's expecting you to do it on this island. There are great resources out there. There are great people out there. And at the end of the day, I really do believe this industry wants to see others succeed because it just lifts the entire industry up. Mm -hmm. That's right. And, And if I could talk my book for a second. Please. Talk about investments. There's so few investment advisors that will, I'm not saying predict the markets, but lead with investments. Talk about it. You're an investment advisor. Put the investment back into it. It doesn't mean you can't go and run a 
passive ETF portfolio for clients, but that's how you're going to engage people. Nobody wants to talk about the intricacies and the in-depth knowledge you have in financial planning. They don't care. You have to have it, but they don't care. You've had such an amazing, resilient journey yourself as you've built uh, resi- the Resilient Advisor. If you could change one thing, if you could do one thing different, go back and do it, what would you do? May I reframe that question into what would I tell myself maybe 20 years ago instead of change things? Because I'm very mm-hmm. fortunate in what's happened to me. It's been a lot of hard work, but I'm fortunate, so I wouldn't want to change anything. But a, a philosophy that I adopted about a year ago has really served me well. And that is to get every negative person out of my life professionally and personally. I didn't have too many personally, but professionally. The folks that are just taking from you and not adding any value. The folks that are taking advantage of you, but you just kind of keep them around. Get those folks out of your life. It's amazing how much extra time you have, how much extra capacity you have to serve people if you just get the takers out of your life. Well, this has been a really enlightening conversation. We always end our podcast with a question from my nine-year-old son, CJ. Look, he loves podcasting and videos, goes to bed every night listening to podcasts. He he and I are even going to do a video series this summer called The Summer of Sandwiches, where we highlight a different kind of sandwich every week. I think we're starting with grilled cheese at the beginning of July. Uh, Anyway, he asked me to ask you, what's your best advice to a nine-year-old that wants to make his own podcast video series? CJ, as a 48-year-old, I would start with the grilled cheese. That is the best sandwich. And anybody who argues that doesn't understand sandwiches. As far as starting a series, it's the same advice I would give a financial advisor. Start and don't stop. Everybody quits. <laughs> I'm sorry. Most people quit. Just keep plugging. And This is probably not the best parenting advice, but I would probably get on TikTok because that's where his soon-to-be Uh, peer group will be and post there. I mean, even Resilient Advisor has a TikTok account. We don't do anything with it. I just didn't want somebody else to own Resilient Advisor on TikTok in case it worked. But get out of your own skin and promote where your audience is. It's amazing. This has been such a fun conversation, Jay. Thank you so much for joining us today on Perfectly Integrated. Thanks for having me. Content in this material is for general information only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Integrated Partners, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial. Jay Coulter is partner at Resilient Wealth and show host for Resilient Advisor and is a separate entity and not affiliated with Integrated Partners and LPL Financial.